All right guys, Abel here back with another video. And in today's video, I will be talking about high volume training. Is high volume training worth it? Should you do it? Do I recommend it? This is what I'll be talking about today. The last video was about the lessons that I've learned after four months of bulking and being in a gaining phase. And today's video is going to be about the lessons that I've learned after being in a pretty high volume training phase for several months. So if that sounds good, let's get into it. Short housekeeping for the beginning. I have made several videos about this high volume experiment and I'm going to be linking all of them in the show notes and somewhere here in the video screen if I can do that. But for now, just know that my general recommendation in the past was to do a pretty moderate volume approach. This is something that have worked for me pretty well and also for people that I helped and interacted with. And this was my general approach. And I have found that my recovery capacity was not good enough to handle a really high volume approach. And I also found through a lot of trial and error that it is just not worth it for many people. So the figure that has worked well for me and also for a lot of people that I helped was 10, maybe 12 sets per muscle group per week. That was a figure that I found worked really well for making strength gains and size gains. It also allowed a lot of nice life flexibility, but I decided to experiment with this because I wanted to see what all the fuss is about and how the recent research that's touted the benefits of really high volume training actually pans out in practice, especially for someone like me who I just found that my recovery capacity is not super, super high and that I just don't tolerate really high volume training that well. So basically what I did is over time, I bumped it up from these 10 to 12 sets all the way up to 20 to 28 sets per muscle group per week. Now, once again, I have talked about the details of how I have done this and how I went about this in another video. If you're curious about that, then check that one out. But in this one, let's focus on the lessons that I've learned after doing this for a couple of months. The first thing I found and what I want to share with you is that it is actually doable. Now, there might be some people for whom it is just too much and they just cannot recover from it, period. But I think that if I could do it, someone who earlier thought that I had really poor recovery capacity and it is just not a viable solution for myself, if I could do it, I think many of you can as well. Now, whether or not you should do it is a different question, but it is actually possible to adapt to it. Now, the big question is how? That is the million dollar question. And there are a couple of things to talk about here. The first thing which I found to be true now more than ever is food. In short, if you wanna train big, you gotta eat big. And this is something that I always knew that nutrition, of course, influences how much training you can tolerate. But I think because recently, a lot of people have talked about how you can build muscle and build a lot of strength in a calorie deficit. And that is certainly true, especially if you're not super advanced, you can make pretty good progress while dieting. But if you're really trying to push the envelope and you really want to push your body to places training wise where it just hasn't been before, you have to fuel that process and you want to provide the building blocks and simply the calories to make it possible to recover from all of that. If you're just wishy-washing in the middle and you're kind of under eating and maybe you're at maintenance, you're simply not gonna be able to handle all that training volume. Now, you're not going to die if you're not eating enough. Your body is not going to collapse from all the catabolism. You're going to be okay, but you're probably going to find that your training sessions are a real drag. You're not making really effective strength gains. You might find that you're getting weaker from one week to the other, which is going to be 
confusing and annoying and not really motivating. So if you actually want to benefit from doing a lot of volume and not just do a lot of volume for the sake of it, you have to fuel that process. And this is a good place to mention something which I've always wondered before, and I think a lot of you as well, that what happens if I've been training for a couple of years, maybe four or five years already, so my training age is pretty high, and on paper, I'm an advanced lifter, but I never really committed to uh, muscle building phase nutritionally, so I never really bulked then am I really an advanced lifter or am I still an intermediate or in some aspects a newbie? And can I still make somewhat newbie and intermediate level gains? And I think, and based on my recent experience, the answer is yes. Because if you never really committed to a gaining phase where you were eating in a surplus, then you're simply not going to be able to handle the amount of hard training and induce the amount of overload that would be actually necessary to really push your body to that next level where you're becoming an advanced lifter. Okay, the other thing that's important to mention as far as how I was able to handle this high amount of training volume is that I bumped my volume up to this level over time gradually. I didn't just go from 10 sets a week to 28. If I had done that, I would have probably been crippled really quickly and probably would have gotten injured in the first couple of weeks. So. I only made five to 10% bumps at any given time. Initially, I went from 12 sets a week to 15, which at the time was like, whoa, that's a big deal. Then 15 to 18, that was like, whoa, bro, that's a lot. Then 18 to 20, 20 to 22. Then over time, I arrived to this 28 sets per week mark. It was a really gradual process. And that is really, really key because it's not just the absolute amount of volume that you do, which, it, which can be potentially problematic from a recovery standpoint, but also just the sudden jump in volume that can be really injurious and a lot of people run into trouble when they do that. Now the next finding I want to tell you about is that over time you can change the amount of volume that feels comfortable and sustainable for you. So earlier on I really felt that this 12-ish sets per week per muscle group was really kind of pushing the envelope for myself. And now, after having done this high amount of training volume for a couple of months, I really just don't feel this 28 sets per week to be that hardcore. I really feel like I could keep this up for really indefinitely. And honestly, I actually feel like I could bump it up even higher. I really think that I could easily handle now 35 sets if I wanted to. Now, I did not bump it up even higher, and I'm gonna get into why I didn't do that in just a second, but really, over time, you can drastically change your general volume tolerance. And in my case, this was reflected in a couple of places. For one, I made really, really good strength progression over the months. I added about 10 kilos on my weighted chin-ups, and I was decently strong on my weighted chin-ups already. So my estimated one rep max went from about 130 kilos to 140. I added about 20 kilos on some of my pressing movements, which of course also my body weight increased in the meantime to a pretty decent degree, but still 20 kilos is no joke. So also about 140 kilos on some of those, my estimated one rep max. On my lateral raise 15 rep max, I added about two and a half kilos, which is a big deal and I'm super stoked about that. It sounds like nothing, but if you are familiar with the progression on lateral raises over time, you know that that's a big deal. And the interesting thing is, is that I didn't really struggle with any kinds of niggles, aches and pains and injuries during these couple of months. Now, I did incur this hip flexor issue, which I mentioned earlier, which is I don't think it is related to high volume. I think it was just one of those unfortunate cases, which sometimes just happens. But even my more sensitive areas, like my shoulders, my elbows, my knees, which are always the first things to flare up like a canary in the gold mine when I'm doing something that is not sustainable, I had minimal to no niggles in these areas, which is a really good sign and is again a sign of the fact that over time I had adapted to this high amount of volume. 
During certain times, it was also psychologically, mentally rewarding to train that much. And I really felt like, especially in the winter when I didn't have a lot of things going on socially and just life events in general, it was just a rewarding process to go to the gym, train really hard and train a lot, then come home, eat a lot of food and then hibernate. I really felt like a bear in the winter, just feeding and resting and also training hard. So that is the ultimate winter bear mode, I guess. And of course, needless to say, in theory at least, the most amount of volume that you can handle and adapt to and overload on a regular basis should be the one on which you will make the fastest progress. So that is at least a big theoretical upside. Now, with all of that said, let's talk about the negatives, because there are certainly some to talk about. The first thing to mention here, which I noticed over time, is that it is just really hard to maintain motivation over time on a really high volume protocol. High volume training is something that seems and sounds very appealing at first, that I'm going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to bust my ass and I'm going to train a lot and I'm going to be like Arnold or Doug Miller. And certainly for the first couple of weeks, it is like that. But over time, it is just becoming more and more boring, basically. And this is something that you should just know that the higher your training volume is, the more boring your training will become. You know, when you're doing only 10 to 12 sets per muscle group per week, then you can make it work three days a week. You're only in there three days. The rest of the four days in the week, you're off the gym. You're always excited to go back in there. When am I going to hit my next PR? I'm just going to go in there, bust some heavy weights, hit some new PRs, get a good pump, have a good sweat, walk around the girls with my invisible that's and that's it and of course you can also go in there four five or six days a week that also has its interesting benefits because your workouts are going to be really short and high quality when you're doing 28 sets per week i mean the fact that you have to go in there five but ideally more like six seven days a week that's a given but even then if you can get those sessions done in an hour and a half man, you are really efficient with your time use. Many times your sessions are going to be more like two hours at a time. And honestly, this is the biggest reason why I didn't bump my volume up even higher. I really think that I could handle 35 or even 40 sets per week, but man, how much would I have to be in the gym? And I don't want to turn training, which is something that I love, and it's one of the best parts of my day, into something where I'm like, man, I really got to go back in there and do something so mind-numbingly boring. I just don't want to go down that route. Another thing to mention is that, of course, the more volume you do, your injury risk is going to get higher and higher because sport injuries are measured per hours of time spent doing that activity. So the more time you spend in the gym and the more volume you're exposing yourself to, in theory, at least, the higher the likelihood that you're going to get injured eventually. Now, you can, of course minimize the chances of this happening a great deal by being smart about exercise selection and training intensities, leaving your ego at the door, which I have done. And I have to say that I need to give myself a pat on the back because I've been really smart about this. But it also means that if you're really smart about managing injuries and prehabilitating yourself and doing things in advance to prevent injuries from happening, it means your training is going to become even more boring because you're not going to lift as heavy. You may need to include some exercises which you don't like as much. You may have to omit certain exercises which you really love, like certain compound exercises. So that's another trade-off that you need to face. And then the final thing which I want to leave you here with, and that's a bit of an interesting philosophical discussion to be had, is I mentioned that in theory at least you should be making the fastest progress if you're doing the most amount of volume that you can adapt to. But the big question is, is it actually worth it? And this is a very complex question and we have to factor in a couple of things. The first thing is, is that Anything that has a huge rate of diminishing returns, where you need to work really disproportionately hard to get more and more diminishing returns, is technically not really worth it. But at the same time, I don't know if looking at your training in that light 
is the most useful way of looking at it. Because technically speaking, the biggest balance between the amount of work that you're putting in and the amount of benefits you're getting out of that hard work is only going to be somewhat okay in your first year when you're making your newbie gains. After that point, you are increasingly getting into that zone where you need to work disproportionately hard to get smaller and smaller benefits. But after some time, you're getting to this place where you have to make this really interesting cost-benefit analysis, whether the amount by which you really need to push the envelope is still worth those small benefits that you can still get out of it. For example, when you're a newbie lifter, it's your first year of training and you have all the gains you can still make ahead of you. You could probably make effective progress by doing only three hard sets per week per muscle group because your threshold for effective stimulus is so low. Maybe if you do that, you can gain 10 pounds of muscle that year. On the other hand, you could do 10 sets per muscle group per week, and in that case, you could build 20 pounds of muscle in your first year. The effort and the benefits are still disproportional because you tripled your volume and you only made double the gains. But, I mean, the absolute numbers are still not super high. I mean, 10 sets per muscle group per week is not super high. And 10 pounds of muscle or 20 pounds of muscle, I mean, that is a significant difference. I mean, you will have a different physique. On the other hand, when you're becoming pretty advanced and you could be gaining two pounds of muscle a year if you're doing 10 sets a week, or you could be gaining five pounds of muscle a year if you're doing 30 sets a week, I mean, that is a big deal. I mean, you tripled your volume, you're gonna be spending a shit ton of time in the gym, and five pounds of muscle versus two, I mean, your physique is not gonna look radically different. So the big question becomes, do you wanna spend a shit ton of time in the gym, expose yourself to more injury risk, to build not that much more muscle? Yes, it is double the gains, but still, the absolute numbers are not super high. And really, this is a very personal choice. It comes down to your personality, how much you actually like training. I mean, if you love training, you love your gym environment, your training partners, it's two hours in the day for you where you can switch off, it's your me time, it's a meditative process, then, you know, it might be totally worth it for you to spend two hours in the gym every day. On the other hand, if training for you is just a means to an end and you really just do this to look good naked, then maybe it will take you two years instead of one year to build five pounds of muscle. But if you're actually going to enjoy those two years of training more, then maybe it's actually more worth it. So I don't think that there is necessarily a right or wrong answer here. I think it really comes down to a personal choice. I think this is something that is worth playing around with every once in a while just to see what your body can actually tolerate and how far you can push yourself. Probably in the summer, for example, where I will have more things that will be going on, I will be going back to a more moderate volume approach. And maybe then in the winter where I won't have as much things going on and maybe training will become just a bigger priority in general and something I will be willing to dedicate more time to, I will be going back to a more high volume approach. So guys, I'm gonna cut this video short here because literally the sun is gonna go down completely and I hope that I could provide some good insights on high volume training. These were the biggest lessons that I've learned. Let me know if you have any questions on this in the comment section. Like the video if you liked it, dislike it if you disliked it. Check out the other videos that I have done about this topic for more context and to know exactly what I did in my training. I even put up my exact split in some videos. So check those ones out. Subscribe to the channel for more content like this and yeah, see you next time.